So today is going to be a very spiritual service, and I just want you to stay attuned to that. Are you ready for that? Fear not, Abram. I am your what? Shield and your exceeding great reward. And Abram responded, Lord God, what will you give me? Lift one hand and say that. Lord, what will you give me? And he says, seeing I go childless and the steward of my house is this Eleazar of Damascus. In other words, Abram is saying, is this the one you're going to give me? And Abram said, behold, to me you have given no seed. That's an important word. You have given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. He's not, he's not from me. He's just with me. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be your heir, but he that shall come forth out of your own loins or bowels shall be your heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars or tell the stars, if you be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall your seed be. The NIV reads verse 5 on this wise. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars. If indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And then skip down to verse 18. Real quick, the Bible says there on that day, everyone say today. today. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said to your descendants, I give this land. I'm going to preach this morning for just a few moments a message entitled, From Conflict to Covenant. Say that with me. From Conflict to Covenant. Father, we thank you for the anointing that leads us and guides us into truth. And when we arrive at truth, we are made free. Lord, we break every generational curse now. We break every generational curse now in the name of Jesus. That curse will not cycle down into our family. It will not cycle down into our children nor our grandchildren. We break that curse now in Jesus' name. And we bind any generational spirit that is diametrically opposed to our destiny. We bind it now. Anything that has attached itself to our lineage that is ungodly, that is unholy, that is unscriptural, we bind it now in Jesus' name. Lord, release revelation in this house. Let it run its course in this sanctuary. Let it touch every heart. And I give you praise in Jesus' name. Can you lift up one praise, one big praise to Jesus before we get into this word? I know, I need to know if there's any enthusiastic people, excited people. Bless your name, Jesus. Tell three people around you, it's on in the building, it's on in the building. Amen. And we're going to get into this. So there's quite the challenge of preaching a prophetic word that you would consider to be expository. It's not manuscript preaching, but it's expository preaching where you read the word and you just move through it like a locomotive. I find chapter 15 to be very interesting. It's very pivotal. And I'll use this word one more time in the prophetic life of Abram. Chapter 15 is pivotal for him. And in chapter 15, you find this word at the first of every verse for 16 verses. 
And the word is and. So one verse ends. The next verse starts with and. Next verse, and. Next verse, and. Next verse, and. Until finally you get to the word but. Isn't that how life is? God did this, and he did this, and he did this, and he did this, but we've all been there, haven't we? Some of you are wondering why your ands have stopped. I just want to encourage you today, and that's what I'm here to do, to totally make you feel secure as a believer in Christ. To let you know that everything is all right. But some of you are in a war today and you think you are in a battle because of something in your past. It's not your past that's giving you trouble. It's your future that's giving you trouble. If you wasn't going somewhere, the enemy would not be fighting you like he is fighting you. I came by to encourage you to fight for your future. Give God your past. Your past is covered with the blood of Jesus. It's not your past that's giving you trouble. It's your future. In chapter 15 of Genesis, we see in the first few verses that there's a serious time of conflict. The Bible says in verse 1, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. After these things. There are some things that must transpire for you to get to the after those things to receive the word of the Lord for your future. After these things. What things? Well, you must go back and read chapter 12, chapter 13, and chapter 14. You find things like this. God told Abram to leave his country and leave his kind and go to a land he would show him. Little did Abram know that Lot would follow him and he was part of his family. I've learned something about church. There are those that follow God and then there are those that follow those. That follow God. There are those that know God. And then there are those that know those. (laughs) That know God. And that's Lot. Lot followed Abram because Lot knew Abram had something that he didn't have, which was a word. When you receive a word from the Lord, it is totally attractive to people around you that have seen you in a stalemate situation for a very long time. See, this is what's going to happen to you today. You're going to receive a word that's going to cause egress and ingress. You're going to exit some patterns that have kept you paralyzed. And you're going to enter things that are going to liberate you in your spirit. So, When you read chapter 12 through chapter 14, I'll just give you a summation of it all. Lot, who left with Abram, settles in a land, and that land included an area 
referred to as Sodom and Gomorrah. The land took Lot and his wife into captivity. Because Abraham loved him and didn't ask him to follow him, but he loved him, he trained 318 fighting men to go deliver Lot from his captivity, and he defeated those kings. He brings Lot back with his family and his possessions. Woo, this will preach. Abraham was smart enough to do Lot a favor. They ran into a high priest named Melchizedek. And Abram tithed to Melchizedek for his own sake and for the sake of Lot and his family. And that's how chapter 14 will end. It will end with Abram bringing, I'm not fixing to ask you for tithe. Just, it's not even about that. Some of y'all got real tight. All the amen suddenly got real quiet. But he brought the tithe, and then the Bible says, after these things. It's amazing what tithe will release. I'll just leave that there. But this is what I find interesting. The king of Sodom thought he could deceive Abram. Like he did Lot. And he tries to get Abram to compromise. And he tells Abram, give me the people and you can keep the possessions. Look at chapter 14, verse 22. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord. Somebody shout covenant. God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and have taken an oath. Someone say covenant. That I will accept nothing belonging to you, king of Sodom. Not even a thread or the thong of a sandal. So that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. Abram refused compromise. Even though it would have brought him a certain convenience in his life. Compromise is the greatest enemy of conviction. Say it again, Pastor Rick. Compromise is the greatest enemy to conviction. Say it one more time. Compromise is the greatest enemy to conviction. We live in a day of compromise. It's hard to find absolute truth. Galvanize conviction. We don't write songs anymore like the old hymn that says, I shall not be. I shall not be moved. So God says to him in verse 1, after these things, watch what God says. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. I am your protector. I am your buckler. I am your defender. I am a hedge about you. And the Lord really instructed me in prayer today to come here and tell you there's a lot going on in this world. If you don't see the signs, you're just not paying attention. Just the words Russia, Ukraine, 
should alert you. Pay attention to what's going on. And I'm still praying for my man, President Zelensky. Lord, make him like David. I'm still praying Ukraine does something absolutely. I know everybody's saying there's no hope, but I'm just hoping and praying and believing God that something. Okay, I'm, I wasn't going to go here. You know, I try to stay out of this stuff, but I, I got to touch it one time. There's nothing worse than a bully. And there's nothing worse than a bully that has lost his mind. Everybody praying for NATO. I'm praying for the Holy Ghost. I'm praying, God, let this be a sign of the greatest revival that ever hit this earth. Come on, Holy Ghost. And God told me to come by and tell you and remind you that he is your shield, number one. He is your buckler. He is your protector. He is your defender. David said in Psalm 3, verse 3, But you, O Lord, are the shield about me. You're the glory and the lifter of my head. Psalm 18.35, you have given me the shield of your salvation. Psalm 33.20, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and he is our shield. Psalm 84.11, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give you grace and the Lord will give you glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. David said, I'm sorry y'all, in 2 Samuel chapter 22 verse 3, the God of my rock in in him will I put my trust. The God of my rock, in him I will put my trust. He is my shield. He is the horn of my salvation. He's my high tower. He's my refuge. He's my savior. And he saves me from violence. It's time for believers to get back to the word of God and say God is not your shield. Sometimes God is your shield all the time. Paul told the church at Ephesus, take up the shield of faith. I want you to get your arm and just pull up the shield and put it right in the devil's face and say, you are not fighting me. You are fighting God. You are not fighting me. You are fighting his word. And I stand behind my shield. God is my protector. God is my defense. God is my shield. If you believe it, take 10 seconds and give him a praise like you love him. Give him a worship like you know he's got you. He is your shield. Let's quit preaching that timidly. Let's quit preaching that like we really don't believe it. Let's get it back in our mouth. God is your shield. He's the glory and the lifter of your head. And he says more than that. I am your exceeding great reward. Whew. Read it in the Hebrew. Your reward will be very great. Somebody said, I'm serving God for nothing. I ain't serving God for nothing. I'm serving God for something. My reward is very great. Quit acting like you're struggling in life and I'm still serving God and I ain't expecting nothing. I know I'm not going to get anything out of it. Lose that doubt. Lose that fear. Lose that unbelief and start saying the Bible says he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. It literally means a remunerator. That means God has a surprise for 
you. God's going to bless you because when everybody else was folding in their faith, you were still standing with your shield. Tell your neighbor, I got a great reward. Not just up there in eternity. I'm going to get a reward right down here in this earth. Verily, Psalm 58, verse 11. Verily, there is a reward for the righteous. Whew. Hebrews 10, 35. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Throw up both hands and say it with me. I am looking for my reward. Now give God praise right there. Amen. Woo. I believe some of y'all reward going to show up this week. Some of, some of you going to get a reward this, this week. So I start building my life like this. If I start going through stuff, I just lower my head when I say bring it on because you're going to only make me better. But the more you push on me, the more my faith goes up and my expectation gets high believing that any day something's going to be released into my life by way of reward. That's all introduction. You can sit down. Verse 2 says, and Abraham said, or Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? Now, now I want you to hear this man. God just told him, I'm going to be your shield and your exceeding great reward. And Abram goes, but what are you going to give me? I'm your shield. You're exceeding great reward. But what are you going to give me? Seeing I go childless. And Abram said, behold, to me, you've given no seed. I can hear Abram saying, thanks for being my protector. And he probably had some soul in him. And he said, thank you. For being my rewarder. Yes. But when you called me, you didn't say nothing about a shield. You didn't say nothing about a reward. You said seed. When you called me out of my country and my kind, you said you would bless my seed. So where's the promise of the seed? You said in verse 7 of chapter 12, unto your seed I will give this land. <laughs> Go back to our text in chapter 15, verse 4. The word of the Lord came to him again and said, Eleazar is not your heir, but he that comes from you. Boy, y'all better hear that. Because some of you are settling for stuff God added to you. Because you love quoting Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. And all of these things shall be added to you. We get so used to God adding to us. 
that we forget that he wants to do something through us, not just for us. Hmm. It's not what you have, it's what you leave that counts in eternity. It's not what you carry through life. It's the legacy you leave after you've gone. <laughs> Do not mistake legacy for additions. You can drive the biggest cars, live in the nicest homes, and not leave an impact in this earth. You can have more money than you could ever count but not make your mark in this earth. The question is not what do you have, the question is what are you leaving? And he says to him, it shall come through you, the seed of a generation. Seed has to do with harvest. Say this with me, with every harvest, there is hostility. We've been having a problem with seed since the bearisheth of time. If people ever got a revelation of the power of seed, they would stop having abortions. Genesis 3.15 the first prophecy ever given in scripture is not given by the mouth of a man. It's given by the mouth of God. And it's given specifically to Satan. And he says, I'm going to put enmity between you and that woman. He was looking at Eve talking to Mary. Your seed is going to bruise his heel. But his, her seed is going to crush your head. That set the enemy on alert that every time he hears the word seed, attack. Read it in Judges 6. The Bible says there's a pattern historically from the enemy that every time the Israelites planted, the enemy invaded. Every time you get seed in the ground, hostility shows up. Every time you start expecting a harvest, hostility shows up. Every time you start believing God with new dream seed, confusion shows up. Because it's a timing issue. If the enemy can kill the seed before the seed buds, then you'll never believe in the manifestation of what you planted. Let me wrap this up. Verse, let's, let's go to verse 7. This is expository preaching. So I've talked to you about the conflict. I've talked to you about the confusion of Abram. You said, see, thank you for the shield. Thank you for the reward. Thank you for a house. Thank you for food. Thank you for finances. But you promised me something was going to come through me. Where is that? Now watch this. Abram's condition will conclude on this thought. 
The devil's in bad trouble today, y'all. I'm, I'm about to go spiritual on you. If you can flow with me, God bless you. Tell your neighbor, put your seatbelt on. Get your oxygen tank. You're going to need it. So we about to, you, you sang deep, deep places. So you won't go deep places. We're going to go there. He said unto him, I am the Lord that brought you out of the Ur of Chaldees. Let me tell you something. When God starts reminding you where he brought you from. That's God. That's daddy saying, boy, you better not forget. That's a father looking at his son saying, you better not forget where you came from. I heard one daddy say, I brought you into this world. I'm going to leave it there. I brought you. I brought you out of the earth counties, listen, to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that? This guy's full of questions. How am I going to know I'm going to inherit it? Watch what God said. Get a heifer of three years old. She goat, three years old. Get a ram, three years old. Get a turtle dove. Get a young pigeon. Verse 10. And he took unto him all these and divided them in the midst and laid each piece one against another. But the birds he did not divide. And when the, verse 11, and when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And lo, a horror of great darkness fell on him. Interesting. He did what God told him to do. God said, bring these things. He brought them. God told him to sacrifice them. He sacrificed. Sacrifice. Wait a minute. Sacrifice cost me something. Wait a minute. Now, that's different than me just giving it to you. You chose the choice ones. Hmm. I've learned this, that anything successful was sacrificial at some point in its history. Some of you enjoy an inheritance that your grandparents left to you. And you thought it was just given to them. You didn't know what they paid for it. See, we enjoy eternal life, abundant life, a great life. Because of what? A sacrifice that Jesus gave for us. Oh, for a generation that would appreciate the sacrifice. Your sacrifice determines your success. Hmm. I was in Texas the other day. And I saw a 14-year-old boy. He made $255,000 last year team roping. Quarter of a million dollars. When he throws his rope, he throws it from here to that speaker. Now, that might not mean nothing to many of you. But if you're a roper, that's a long way. And he's about that tall. And he's about that big around. And I'm not exaggerating. His jeans are always baggy on him. His dad is a PRCA roper, and I asked him, I said, Justin, how did that boy get that good? 
He's a phenom. He is the Michael Jordan of team roping. Wow. He's 14 years old, $255,000 in a year. And he's got big old ears. And he walked up to me, hey, hey, Pastor Rick, how you doing? I said, buddy, I'm doing good. And I gave him a big hug. I've been knowing him since he was that tall. I said, boy, you're just killing them out there, ain't you? And he said, yes, sir. But it costs a lot. I said, what do you mean? He said, when everybody else is playing, I'm roping. He said, when my guys are down at the football stadium on Friday, I'm in the arena. I said, boy, do you do anything else other than rope? And he looked at me and said, no, sir. About all I do. He sacrifices everything for one thing. How much are you willing to give up? To serve God to the point that you completely understand your purpose of existence. And that you do not wander ambiguously through a life and die and no one know you were here. It all starts with a sacrifice. Here we go. When he sacrificed, verse 11 says the fowls came down upon the carcasses and Abram drove them away. Many preach that the fowls that came down on his sacrifice was something like unholy thoughts. Maybe it was doubt. Maybe it was unbelief. Maybe it's a battle with your flesh. When I studied this through the mode of revelation, there's a word in the sentence that stood out to me. And it wasn't fowls. Those are birds of prey. Those are vultures. I know what those things are. Those are things that feed on dead flesh. That's easy. The word that stood out to me was air. Fowls of the air. Here we go. We have become so practical in our minds and in our teachings in church that we forgot we are spiritual beings having a human experience. We're so busy telling you about stuff you can have in the temporal that preachers don't spend enough time talking to you about eternity because eternity requires you to be spiritual because your flesh don't live forever. Your spirit does. And when God says, the, Jesus says, the Father seeking those, come on here, who will worship him in spirit and in truth. I came by to remind you that if you're not going to a church, if you're not sitting under doctrine, if you're not sitting under theology, if you're not sitting under a word that has to do with spiritual things, you are wasting your Sunday morning. This thing is all about spirit. 
Ephesians 2, 1 says, You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. In time past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Putin has lost his mind because a devil has possessed him. Y'all ain't gonna like it. You, Pastor Rick, you ain't gotta be that hard. Now I'm gonna say it again. Putin is possessed by a devil. Boy, it's getting quiet now. That's all right. I'm gonna go ahead and preach. Children of disobedience don't work in disobedience out of logic. It's not analytical processing. It is a spiritual influence in their life. It's not because your papa was an alcoholic that you are an alcoholic. It's the spirit that attached itself to that addiction that convinced you you need to be like your papa. So you battle the same battles he battled because he never broke the spiritual stronghold in his life. I came by to tell you there's some things Dr. Spock can't help you with. Self-help books and how to raise children can take you so far. But sooner or later, you got to get on your knees, lay your hands on your children's bed and say, devil, I bind you in the name of Jesus. You came in the wrong house. You messed with the wrong family. You touched the wrong children. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual, 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 spiritual wickedness in high places. Nobody believes in counseling more than me, but counseling will never replace deliverance. Some of y'all trying to counsel demons out of people. You need to lay your hand up on their head and say, come out. Second Corinthians 10, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For our weapons, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Principalities, say the word. Principalities is a time, place for rank, or a rank in time and place. <laughs> is to be first in the political rank of spirits. That's principalities. Man, I'm going to teach y'all on warfare one day. Because I can tell there's a lot of uneducated, uneducated believers in, in spiritual warfare. You must understand, you're not battling a man. You're not battling this person. You are battling a principality and powers. That's the token of control or delegated influence. Evil is influence applied. Our war is against the influence of evil, not just evil itself. Explain that to us, Pastor Rick. How does evil influence? I'll give you two words. Social media. How does evil influence? I'll give you one word. Television. 
And where's it all happening? In the cloud. In the air waves. The enemy's stronghold is influence. Lord Jesus. In every stronghold, there's a strong man. David resorted to a stronghold and became the strong man, not in an evil way. Jesus never said the strong man is Satan. He just said, if you bind the strong man, you get his stuff. So the question is, who is the strong man? The strong man is the one with the influence. If you bind a president, you get his nation. Preaching this building, Pastor Rick. If you bind a pastor, you get his people. If you bind a husband, you get his wife. If you bind a father, you get his children. A strong man is the man with the influence or the person with the influence. Bind him, you'll get his stuff. Strong man is the guard of the fortress. Strongholds are fortified in, by regions and territories. If we realize that there's a principality over this region, just like there's one over San Antonio, just like there's one over Miami, just like there's one over New York City, just like there's one over Washington, D.C. Strongholds do two things. First of all, let me just say this before I tell you what those two things are. There's geographical strongholds. There's genealogy strongholds. There's lineage strongholds. There's family strongholds. And there's personal strongholds. Oh, I better leave it alone. A, a stronghold, a stronghold is a learned behavior influenced by an evil spirit. In the bad way, not in the good sense, like I just told you with David. In a bad way. Say it again, Pastor Rick. What is a stronghold? It is a learned behavior that is influenced by an evil spirit. What you model will be repeated. What you exhibit is the next generation's example. That's a learned behavior that is influenced by evil that now you have transferred to your children. So quit saying, don't do what I do, do as I say. They're going to do what you do, not what you say. These are strongholds. Strongholds do two things. They keep people from knowledge and the revelation of truth. Number two, they prevent people from walking in obedience. Cast down what? Strongholds. Cast them down. Recognize it in your children. Recognize it in your family. Don't let your child say, I want to be like Uncle Jim if Uncle Jim is an alcoholic. Tell your child, don't say those words. Don't let your child be like Uncle Jim if he's a racist. Racism is a stronghold. It is a learned behavior. No man is born to hate. He is taught to hate. That's a stronghold. 
And somebody somewhere in that line has to stand up and say the stronghold stops with the strong man. And now I'm the one that's going to have the influence. All right. So he says, cast down imaginations, reasonings, thoughts, logics. It's the way people think based on their tradition. Imaginations, the way people think based on their tradition. Imaginations, based on their traditions, their experience, or their past. God is good. I'm just letting those four people exit. Because I'm going to tell you, this kind of preaching... I'm going to say it like a T.I. is. It's sure dead gum ain't happening in this area. This region right here, y'all used to be implicated with a smile on your face telling you your best life. You got your best life now. And that's the absolute truth. But if you think you're going to have your best life now and not fight a battle with spirits and demons and principalities and powers, you're sadly mistaken. Y'all can nod and do what you want to do, but if I were you, I'd clap my hands in approval to my pastor. I'm not up in here preaching my feelings or my emotions. This is scripture, and the church is far off. We give you one-hour feel-good services. We don't want to offend nobody. We don't want to lean into you. Because we want you to feel all comfy and cozy and like life is a bed of roses. There's thorns on every rose. So these fowls, these spirits, come down to steal the sacrifice. They want to steal your sacrifice. When they steal your sacrifice, they rob you of covenant blessing stronghold spirits rob you of covenant blessing they paralyze your progression toward fulfilled promises from God they come down and they steal it what steals it learned behaviors evil activity pornography well I'm going to end it we are here today to drive them away The Bible says Abram drove them away. He didn't say, will you kindly dismiss yourself? He didn't look at them and say, will you politely dismiss yourself from my destiny? He didn't say, will you please leave me alone? No, you got to read the emphatic Hebrew picture of this thing. He's sitting by his sacrifice. The fowl comes down to take his, the carcass, to take his sacrifice. Somebody shot it. We are here to drive it away. One version says he got up and chased them away. I was reminded of my dog, DJ. He's about 125 pounds, Cane Corso. And every morning, Giovanna gets a kid. She laughs at him. Because we have these big, y'all got the biggest blackbirds. We got the biggest blackbirds in Oklahoma I ever seen. I don't know if you call them crows. I don't know what y'all call them, but they huge. They got muscles. Them ones in my house, when they land, they walk like this. 
Y'all know them birds I'm talking about? They land and they just start coming towards DJ's food like this. And they're, they're shriek, shrieking. They, ah, 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 and they're loud. We got doors shut, music on, TV playing. And I can hear, ah, ah, look out the window, here he comes. And he's looking right at DJ like, I'm going to get your food. And it's so funny because DJ just lays there with one eye closed. And he waits for that old bird to get right by his dish. And when he gets right by his dish, DJ lunges toward him. And he... He chases him off. In other words, DJ says, you ain't getting one crumb. You ain't getting one bite of what belongs to me. Are y'all in the building? Read it in the Hebrew. It literally means he blew, Abram blew them away. He blew them away. <laughs> I told the devil today, you are in bad trouble. Every demonic principality over any address that belongs to Quest Church is in bad trouble because we are about to blow you away. Read it in the Hebrew. It reads like this, he blew with sound. He blew with sound and the wind of God got under his voice and blew the fowl away. The wind can't work without breath. You got to give a blast. That literally means what it means, a, a blast from your voice. And the wind of God gets up underneath your voice and says every vulture, every principality, every bird of prey is going to back up because you open your mouth. It's the blast of his mouth and the waving of his hands. So Abram's sitting there. They come down. He jumps up and he starts going, hey! And they fly away. Boy, but you got to get deep into that exegesis because it literally means seeing past the birds. What do you mean, Pastor Rick? You see past the principality. What is your shout? Your shout is going to God. Your praise interrupts the enemy's attack and he backs off. If I were you, I would walk around my living room with some praise music on and I would be singing, Jesus, be a fence all around me every day. What y'all don't know is this little thing that you call physical calisthenics. When I'm up here saying, come on, clap your hands, shout, clap your hands, shout, clap your hands, shout. You think that's just some emotional, hey, 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 hey. No, it's the most spiritual thing you did all day. Pray 
praise is your weapon. I double dog dare you to jump on your feet and let a black wave your hand. Let a praise come up out your lungs. Tell your neighbor, this praise right here ain't coming from my mouth. It's coming from down deep. It's coming from my lungs. It's coming from my soul. Cause I'm tired of seeing the devil have his way. I'm, si I'm tired of seeing Christians discouraged. I'm tired of seeing children defeated. I am tired of seeing the foul steal our offering. I need 15 sanctified Holy Ghost feet believers to jump out in that aisle, jump down here in this altar, wave your hands and shout to God with a voice 